taking you on a journey for the pursuit of PPC. Welcome to PPC Rockstars. Get ready to rumble through the latest PPC news and views from around the blogosphere. Learn from our hosts and the PPC pros that will take you to the promised land of PPC profit. We're cashing in the clicks with the PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. Hey, PPC friends, it's another episode of PP Rockstars, and uh, we have on the show someone we had on recently, but uh, there's been a development in his world that uh, I know you want to hear about, and I'm talking about Frederic Valles, uh, the founder or co-founder of a tool vendor optimizer, and we're here to talk about his new book, so welcome, Frederic. Thanks for having me again, David. Good to be back. Yeah. Hey, uh... Your book is entitled Digital Marketing in an AI World, and then there's a subtitle that's Future-Proofing Your PPC Agency. And I'm curious why you picked uh, that subtitle, because from what I can see, it's it's equally valuable to in-house PPC managers yeah. and individual consultants. Yeah, there's a couple of chapters in there that are a bit specific to maybe the, uh, the agency and sort uh-huh. of your value proposition as you go out and try to get more business. Um, and it's just yeah, at Optimizer, my, my company, we work so much with agencies and, and also, of course, with in-house teams. But uh, I feel more angst from agencies about, like, what does the future hold for us, given that Google seems to be doing so many of the things that we uh, used to sell to our clients. Um, I think from an in-house team perspective, it's still a little bit more clear to them that, yeah, Google's automating the bid management and some other things but we're still here to be the strategic players and like actually figure out where to add a lot of value for the business. Gotcha. Hey, um, I want to get into the meat of the book, but uh, I was fascinated by your uh, exodus, your journey from uh, Belgium to Silicon Valley. So could you uh, give us the synopsis of that? Yeah, so uh, put a little bit of my background in the book, right? So where did I come from? And so I moved to the Silicon Valley when I was 15 because my dad was working for a local company here called Tandem Computers. Uh, it was a multinational computer company, a server company, actually. And I was just so happy because to me, it felt like coming home because I was a computer nerd and I just loved uh, building my own computers and working and, and building like little newspapers on the computer. And to be coming to the place where all of that stuff was being invented and created, uh, it was just, I'd never been, but I knew that was going to be a, a place where I'd feel really good. And I'm still here today, 25 years later. Right. And uh, how many languages do you speak? I speak three. Uh, sadly, my mother tongue, Dutch, uh-huh. I speak less and less fluently. Now, when I go back to Belgium, people are like, oh, you, you sound like you have an American accent. And when I'm in America, people are like, hey, where's your accent from? So <laughs> I guess that means I speak no languages. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. You speak uh, three fluently. Yeah, uh, French is the other one. What, what's the difference between Flemish and Dutch in Belgium? Or- yeah, we, we actually use the same dictionary. Okay. Um, so they are closer than British English and American English. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't know they were that different. British and American. Well, the reason I say they're different is that you actually have different dictionaries. Oh, no, no. I I, I know that those are different. I, I didn't know that uh, Flemish and Dutch were that different. 
Yeah, no, so they're actually more similar, right? We use the same dictionary for both of those languages. Oh, okay. But, but then again, I mean, the number of people um, that speak the Dutch language is so small that it seems like a waste to, uh, to print two uh, versions of the dictionary. <laughs> well, let's get into the book. Um, you know, this is, uh, I realized as I was going through it, it's, it's really a, a feel-good book because um, there's, there's good news in here for people that, as you just said, are, have anxiety about the future given how much uh, automation seems to be uh, put, put into our hands or imposed on us, depending on how you look at it. So um, where do we start? Well, yeah, like you said, it's like feel good news, but it also means you're going to have to do some work, right? So yes. you're in PPC, you joined a fast moving industry. Like you can't expect to just keep doing the same thing year after year. I mean, we just talked about the Google Marketing Live event and the changes coming out of that. And what that means for us is like having to make new ad formats and change a little bit how we do bid management. Um, and so th this is more of the same, but, it, but it's almost at this new level, right? And sometimes people are afraid because they, they see Google coming in and, and not necessarily being very transparent about where they see agencies and PPC practitioners adding value. Uh, when in fact there's a lot of value that they can provide, but it's just different from what they've been doing today. So um, oftentimes PPC marketers ask me, what does the future for us look like? And I tell them, well, you guys are not marketers in the first place. Like historically, really, you've been more of a an analyst and someone who works with spreadsheets and sort of does a lot of math and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but now we have to go back to maybe being marketers again and figuring out who's our audience, what's the messaging that's going to resonate um, how do we have better people skills? How do we communicate what the black box of the machine may be doing to our stakeholders, whether that stakeholder is a client as an agency or it's the CMO of the, of the company for which we do in-house marketing. So a lot, a lot of things that we're going to have to be working on. Right. Um, so give me some examples of AI and, and PPC. I'm sure there, there are many examples in, in, in Google and the Microsoft platform and Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so AI, artificial intelligence, when it comes to PPC, it's really mostly ML, machine learning, uh, that's being used. And so machine learning is basically about finding some signal in a massive amount, a massive amount of data. Um, and so the classic example is actually the oldest example of this was the quality score system. Um, so one of the stories in the book is that in the very early days of Google, when I joined it, quality score didn't exist, but the way that relevance was being enforced was literally by people like myself looking at your ad, looking at your keywords, and making a judgment on it. And I could say, this keyword is not relevant to what your business is. But that was complicated, right? Because I'm no expert in every single type of business that's out there, and so who am I to make that decision as a single person? So Google very quickly figured out, we have to look at the signal, and the signal in the early days was simply the click-through rate of ads. And they said, it's the wisdom of the crowd. So if we have a thousand people searching for this keyword, we can measure how many times each of the ads that we show gets clicked. And that's our relevant signal. That's quality score. But then they were like, well, you know, looking at historical data, that's kind of cool. But wouldn't it be better if we could predict the future? And so then they started looking. We started looking at predicted CTR. And then eventually we renamed that into quality score because there was more than just a predicted CTR, but there were all these factors coming in and it was machine learning. Um, and it was fascinating because back in the day we would build a new machine learning model and it would take, uh, you know, days, if not weeks uh, 
to train up a new model. And if something was wrong with it, we'd have to spend that time again, waiting for it to, to teach itself um, from the massive amounts of data. Um, and nowadays we're in such a great position because these same models, they can be ramped up in a matter of minutes instead of weeks. Right. So um, you, you, you uh, have sections in your book about what machines do well and what uh, humans do better. Um, let's, let's get into for a second um, smart uh, campaigns. This has been, it was the, almost the sole topic of last year's uh, Google Marketing Live session. And there, there, was a, there was some mention of it in this year's as well. So what do you think of smart campaigns and, and should even um, uh, experienced PPC managers be, be thinking about using them? Yeah, and there's two levels to this. So the original smart campaign was really the evolution of AdWords Express, which was the product intended for small businesses that could not afford an agency, could not afford an in-house PPC team, and don't have the in-house PPC expertise themselves as business owners, uh, but still knew they wanted to be present in search results and on maps and those types of things. And so it was just an easy way for them to come into the system. And, and then Google's machine learning system would find some keywords and would kind of automatically manage the bids. Uh, but it was very lightweight. You, you couldn't expect for that to be competitive with a PPC professional, an agency, an in-house person who'd been doing this for several years. Now, last year, we started to see more of the introduction of what actually is becoming more competitive. So the smart shopping campaign, the smart display campaign, uh, smart bidding. And these are things where Google is using <clears throat> the cutting edge of machine learning to really figure out signals that we as humans just would have a very hard time seeing. Right. So um, would you recommend they be used by uh, even what you might consider to be experienced PPC managers? Well, I recommend that everyone test them out. Right? And that's one of the points in the book is that, you know, in a way, Google's trying to simplify things, but by simplifying and adding so many new options, it's less straightforward to know, am I going to be better off manually managing this using some industry best practices that I've heard at a conference? Or is the smart campaign format going to do better? Or is and if I automate some of my bidding, for example, and I use responsive search ads, like what combination of things is going to drive the best results? Right. Um, and ultimately, there's not one answer for everyone. And it also becomes a question of trade-offs. Um, you know, if you're going to manually manage something, you either have to have a really good tool like Shameless Plug Optimizer, right. um, or you have to spend a lot of time. And then you have to figure out like how much more performance am I getting for that in exchange for the cost. Um, so it's a you know, cost-benefit analysis. Sure. Hey, speaking of shameless plugs, we have some important words from our sponsors. So, Frederick, stay with us, and listeners, don't go away. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte. You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey. 
So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we're back with Fred Ballet's and uh, talking about his uh, wonderful new book, uh, whose title escapes me again. Digital marketing in an AI world, future-proofing your PPC agency. How's that for keyword stuffing? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, let's see. We were talking about smart campaigns, and uh, I I, want to make sure that audience members understand that uh, the role of the amount and density of data that 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 these algorithms depend upon so uh what what do you think uh should is is there a threshold should we trust google's threshold of of a certain number of conversions per month or or should we uh kind of hold off until there's even more data yeah that's a great question Uh, and so google puts like numbers like 30 ish or anywhere between 15 and 50 conversions per month and then sometimes that's at the campaign level sometimes it's at different levels uh but ultimately you just have to realize that the more data the more signal the machine is given the easier it's going to be for the machine to figure out what are the patterns that drive those conversions and those uh desirable conversions um Right, so and I think you can trust Google. And actually, at GML, 
at the Google Marketing Live event, I was talking to some product managers on the new budget planning tool. Uh-huh. And they flat out said, listen, if we don't feel like the statistical confidence is there for us to make a prediction, we just won't. Um, uh-huh. And that's that, that means that you can trust the tool, but then as an agency, it's also a little bit tricky because your client asked you to come up with a plan and Google's tool won't give you a plan because it, it's just not quite certain enough and, and you still have to go to the client with something, right? So kind of having control over what those thresholds are and maybe having insight into what works and what doesn't uh, would make a lot of sense. And so one of the things we do in our machine learning inside of Optimizer is we'll actually break down the model for you. So so every geographic bid adjustment that we recommend, you can click on a little box and it'll tell you what factors the model looked at and how strong each of those factors was. Nice. Um, so you have kind of that, uh, you start to understand uh, what's happening. And, and that's important too. And that's one of the roles that I think the human is going to play in the future is you know, all this machine learning is based on the data that's been given to the machine. But what is that data, right? If you're a ski resort, is Google looking at the snowfall levels? Um, and maybe not, right? Maybe that's not a signal that matters to the majority of advertisers. So they're not looking at that, but it actually matters quite a bit for your specific business. So you as a PPC practitioner and an expert, if you have that data and you can somehow feed that into uh, the levers of smart bidding, you're going to do far better. Um, and so that was encouraging news too, that Google is working on seasonality bid adjustments. Yes, um, Right, and so uh, again, it's sort of funny because you think about automated bidding and smart bidding, but really there's so many new controls being added to smart and automated bidding that it's no longer really automated. It's right. just another level at which you're putting in what you need. Uh, so you're not going down to the CPC level for the auction time, but you're kind of more specifying what your goals are. Right. It's almost like uh, I, I made the analogy between uh, this kind of automation and uh, someone who buys uh, woodworking tools. So they go out and they buy the most expensive woodworking tools and, and they, they buy an increasing number expecting you know some kind of masterpiece to turn out Right. Uh, automatically and of course it doesn't because the the master the master uh, skill is in the person not the tools exactly and that's another chapter in the book sort of in uh, so we have three sections the first section is really about why are we even talking about machine learning and artificial intelligence today like why is this such a big deal and then the second section is about the specific roles that humans will play and then the third section is about um, what agencies can do to better prepare and, and one of those sections or chapters in the last section is about making sure you still have the fundamentals right. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. You have to be a, a skilled tradesperson to build a great piece of woodworking. Uh, the same in PPC, if you're just blindly putting together a bunch of tools without any thought to how they interact with each other, you're going to get some pretty strange results. Yeah. Right? And one of the human roles that I'm saying people should start to play is that of the pilot. So hopefully you've put that in place, someone who monitors what the machine is doing and is ready to step in if things go wrong, um, all right? But obviously the less you have to do that because you knew what you were doing in the first place, gonna be hugely valuable. Right. Hey, I wanna ask you a, a detailed question that is related to what we're talking about. Uh, and it's, it's your opinion on uh, a couple of things that are turned on by default when creating a new campaign in, in Google AdWords. Yeah. 
Uh, one of them is ECPC, enhanced CPC bidding. And the other one is turned on by default in Google Display Network ad groups, which is, uh, they used to call it conservative targeting and aggressive targeting. And uh, even before that, I think it was called the Display Campaign Optimizer, DCO. Yeah. So these things are on by default uh, when brand new entities are created. And uh, I just can't see how they could possibly work given the fact that there's no data at that point. So um, I, but when right. I'm giving, giving advice, I, I tell people to uh, turn those mechanisms off until some data has accumulated. So what's your opinion about that? You can, you can disagree. Yeah, um, no, and I, I think that's a fine recommendation, but I think at the same time, Google is looking at the statistical significance. So if they don't see any signal to base uh, a CPC change on, and so eCPC, I'm sure everyone knows, right? But this is the system that will bid up higher if it thinks it's more likely that that click will convert and bid down if it isn't. So it's a little bit more sophisticated than maximum CPC, but it's also less advanced than putting in a TCPA or a TROAS. Right. Um, so I'm generally a fan of eCPC. Uh, I mean, I think the smart bidding strategies, TCPA and TROAS are better if you can do them, um, but enhanced CPC is, is still okay as well. Um, but, but, but I think the problem becomes that people, they turn it off and then they forget, when should I turn it back yeah. on? At what point does Google have enough data? Yeah. And so that's where one of the roles that we as PPC experts play is constant monitoring, right? So on a day-to-day -day basis, we got to look at the results and if they go off the rails, well, then we rope it back in. But right. I, I was hearing another person kind of talk about this, how smaller advertisers, even if you tell them, um, so in smart bidding, Google often has, has a little visualization that says currently the system is not setting great bids because it's still learning um, or currently it's not setting great bids because the system doesn't have enough conversion volume um, to make decisions on. And so even though that transparency is something that we're all clamoring for, uh, a lot of small advertisers don't like it because they have no sense of when will the system have enough data? When will the system be done finished learning? And is it going to take another $5,000 or is it, are we like $5 away from that point? And if you're a small business, that's obviously a huge amount of money to be uncertain about uh, what's going to come out of it. Right. Hey, you, you mentioned in the book uh, the role of micro-conversions. So uh, maybe uh, listeners would like to know what are microconversions and when are they useful? Yeah, and so the, the point that you made earlier was how, when does Google have enough data to start making decisions? And, and oftentimes that can be a challenge for these smaller accounts. And so the point of micro versus macro conversion is that the macro conversion is the thing that we actually care about, usually getting a sale or getting a new customer. Uh, so lead gen, but also closing that customer that data can be quite sparse because that's the bottom of the funnel. That's the pointy end of the funnel where things are the smallest. Um, so what if we could look higher up in the funnel like, oh, if people sign up for the newsletter or they register for our discount code, does that usually lead to them eventually going down that funnel and converting? Um, and, but the nice thing is microconversions, it's higher up in the funnel, but we have more data points. Right. So we could use that as a substitute so that the machine can still automate some of the bid management decisions because we know that generally these events are kind of related um, and will lead to the desired outcome. All right. Which reminds me of the Google Marketing Live announcement of the possibility of creating different conversion actions for different campaigns. Right. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. 
Exactly. So the one example that I'm thinking there is if you have that newsletter sign up, um, say that you go to the uh, Adidas homepage, they usually present you with a coupon if you put in your email address for first time purchasers. So now if somebody does that search and does that uh, action, that conversion, after they've just done a specific search for a very specific Adidas sneaker, that's probably not exactly what they're going after, right? Because that person already knew they wanted the Adidas brand. Um, and, and now they're getting a discount on that, right? Adidas is probably much more interested in getting someone who is looking for a new balance or a Nike sneaker yeah. to become a little bit more loyal to Adidas. So maybe they want to run those generic uh, search campaigns. That's where they want to value that newsletter sign up more highly, whereas in a specific product search or, or a brand search, maybe they actually don't weigh that quite as heavily. Right. Hey, we need to break away again for some words from our sponsors. Uh, thanks, Fred. And listeners, stay with us. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte? You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 2019 International Web Award Competition. Sign up now at www.webaward.org. Web Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Awards site. And the winners go to, well, you'll have to see for yourself. You can't win if you don't enter. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2019. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. And we're back in the home stretch with Frederick Valley's talking about his book. And uh, can we switch gears and talk about uh, the, the section of the book that 
tells uh, practitioners how to future-proof their their agency or their practice? Yeah, let's do it because that way we're still going to have people listening to this podcast in five years, right? That's right. (laughs) Truly. I hope so. So, um, yeah, on the practitioner side, it really breaks down into three distinct roles um, that I say people are going to have to start playing more, right? So we're obviously going to do much less of the spreadsheet-based work and trying to find the signal manually. Um, but we are going to play the role of the doctor, the pilot, and the teacher. So shall we cover each of those maybe a little bit? Yeah, please. Yeah. So um, yeah, when it comes to the doctor, it's really partly about soft skills. Um, and it's about knowing the different medicines that can cure specific ailments. Um, right. So translate that to PPC. So your client comes in, they have a specific goal, they have a specific need. They've just switched agencies because they were not happy about X, Y, and Z in their account. Right. So you now have to know of these 50 different things you could do in Google, which are the right ones to do. Um, so again, just recently, Google came out with gallery ads. Google has introduced a new uh, bid management option for maximizing conversion value. Like, how do you, like, which of these many solutions are the right ones for that specific customer need? And then reporting back and saying, okay, even though these may have been automated black box machine learning systems, what happened? Why did we think that happened? And what can we learn from this that we take forward into making you even better? So that's kind of the doctor. It's a bit of the soft skill and putting the right pieces of the puzzle together. And then the pilot, the pilot is interesting because it breaks down into two specific components. The first is the commercial airline pilot. Um, And I read some amazing stat that the average pilot flies a plane about nine minutes of flight. Something, there may have been nine or 11 minutes, I can't remember exactly. But, uh, But the point is like, we don't really need a pilot to fly planes anymore. If we wanted to, planes could fly themselves. But you and I and most listeners probably would feel more comfortable getting on a plane with that pilot because on occasion things go wrong, sensors are wrong, um, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you have bad data coming in, then you're going to make bad decisions or the machine is going to make bad decisions. And so the pilot's role is to oversee and, and understand things like that. Uh, very classic example, Google is actually introducing seasonality bid adjustments. And this addresses that same issue. But if you have a big promotion you're running over the weekend, all of a sudden your conversion rate spikes because of that. Two days later, your sale is done. And here you have the machine learning system that says, hey, great, this this conversion rate just shot up. We don't know why, but we're going to keep assuming it's going to continue to perform at that level. So now you're wasting money because your promotion is done. As a pilot, you would know that let's discount these two days of data let's ignore them or let's change our target CPA to right. account for the fact that Google's kind of going to get it wrong. Um, so that that's the pilot role, the commercial pilot gotcha. role. The, um, there's also the uh, military pilot role, the fighter pilot. And let's all remember that oftentimes when we talk about automation, like self-driving cars are talked about quite a bit. Uh-huh. Self-driving cars, we all benefit as a society if these things take us to work. Um, traffic is going to be smoother. And even if it takes us a couple of extra minutes to get to work, like, listen, it's time that I get back that I don't have to pay attention to the road. So that's brilliant. When it comes to PPC, on the other hand, all of us are competitors. We're all competing for the same keywords, for the uh, top ad position, all of those things, right? So if we can understand as a fighter pilot, what automations, what tools are my competitors using and how can I take advantage of them in that scenario? Um, 
that's a big value you're going to be adding for your customers. Right. But that also takes a deep understanding. You have to you have to know the weaknesses of the tools that your competitors are using. Hey, Frederic, I, I uh, hate to interrupt you, but we're coming to the end. Uh, we've got a minute left. Okay. Uh, the book is Digital Marketing in an AI World, and I think we're going to. Uh, I think this this show will be broadcast while there is a sale going on with Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the week of launch. So it's launching on May 28th. And for that whole first week until Friday evening, it'll be on sale for 99 cents as the Kindle edition. After that, it's going to go back to uh, $10 or $9.99. Uh, and there's also a paperback available as well. It's all on Amazon. Very nice. That t- title again is Digital Marketing, Marketing in an AI World. And Frederick, thanks for coming on. Uh, you've whetted everyone's appetite, so you, you, you'll sell a lot of books this week. I hope so, and I hope people enjoy it. Thanks for uh, sure talking about it. I'm sure they will. And thank you, listeners. Uh, come back in a couple of weeks for another episode of PPC Rockstars. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.